Hello, everyone. My name is Alexis Watson, and I am the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Advisor for the Northeast Conference. I'm so glad to be joined today by some of our student athletes to talk about Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. I'll let you guys kind of go around and introduce yourselves. Please just share um, your school, your year, what sport you are, and then let's all share um, what community you guys identify as within the AAPI community. So we can start with Thomas. Hi, my name is Thomas DeXavier. I am a graduate student at Mount St. Mary's University and I'm on the swim and dive team. I identify within the Indian community, yeah. Hi, I'm Melissa Enrique. I'm a senior at St. Francis University and I'm on the lacrosse team and I identify as part of the Filipino uh, community. Uh, my name is uh, Kyle Halehale. Uh, I'm a freshman. Uh, I go to CCSU. I play uh, soccer and uh, I'm from the island of Guam. And uh, I'm like, I'm like, identify as like Japanese Pacific Islander and a little bit Filipino, Vietnamese, so everything, a little bit everything. <laughs> okay, guys. So um, thanks for sharing. I want to jump right in and get into a little bit of our content today. I think one thing that's really important to talk about is a lot of times people who aren't familiar with the AAPI community might not realize how many different cultures and traditions, uh, different backgrounds, and even countries that that are you know covered in the AAPI community. So I wanted to um, just hear some things from you. I know we have a pretty diverse group on. What are some things that you want people to know about your culture? And then we can talk a little bit more about some different traditions and things that you have. I think I'll start. So one of the things that I don't think a lot of people recognize like in terms of the Indian community is that it's really diverse, right? And it's very hard to just group us into one sect because within India alone, we're very religiously diverse. So for example, I'm Catholic but there are religions like Catholicism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, like a bunch within like various areas of our community. So I think that's a thing. And plus it shows like without all the various festivals and kind of stuff like that we celebrate within the Indian culture, it's more diverse than what is given to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for starting us off. I know when you and I spoke individually, we kind of had this, really great conversation around a lot of people sometimes leaving out um, Indian, leaving Indian people out of the AAPI conversation. So I'm really excited to hear, you know, some more of your perspective. Um, Kyle, Alyssa, who wants to go next? Um, like one thing that I was just like talking to like my dad and like even my grandparents about like, you know, our Filipino culture is that like, we just love the like, very family oriented and like whenever we have a gathering no matter like the holiday or even it's just like a random Saturday like in the month like like my cousins are there my aunts and uncles are there like it's always a big deal and there's always food like more food than like probably you could ever imagine like there's always food and like you get there no matter what time you show up it's like if it's like midnight or it's like you know one in the morning like my grandma's there with food like she has it was always like a welcome with food so it's just like I have just like memories of us like always just like being together like celebrating you know like being together like being a family like around our like specific like foods and stuff like that. Thanks for sharing Alyssa and Kyle I know when you and I talked one-on-one -on -one 
to um, food definitely came up as well. You mentioned in Guam, everyone's kind of willing to take care of each other and, and share in that. I'll let you talk more about that. Yeah, so like where I'm from, you know, it's really small and like Guam's a really small island and the population's pretty small. So like, you know, it's really like Alyssa said, it's really family oriented and like, you know, anyone's always, uh, you know, if you need help, you know, your friends, family, their moms, they'll take care of you. Like if I needed a place to stay, like, you know, they'll let me sleep and they'll feed me. And, you know, everyone's always willing and they always love to help each other out. And, you know, one easy way to show that is through food and, you know, you always eat and you're never hungry. Like everyone's, you know, always happy. So I love that. I love hearing the food conversation because I feel like that's something that's really specific to um, the AAPI community in general. I mean, obviously, like other cultures have their their food and, and things like that as well. But just in the conversations I've had um, around different cultural heritage months, food came up every single interview that that we did. Um, so can you guys talk to me a little bit more about that? I know, Alyssa, you shared with me a story about you and your grandmother cooking together. Can we just talk about that a little bit more? Because it does sound like it's really important to you guys. Sure. I mean, like Kyle said, like food is a really big part. Like food is definitely a really heavy part within Indian culture. Like I can remember Christmas times and like my mom makes like this dish. It's like, so I'm from Western India called, in this place called Goa. And one of the dishes that it's known for, it's like this Goa sausage. So it's basically like chorizo. It's basically like a Goa, like traditional sausage. And it's like a bunch of Indian spices. And it's like a little bit of like Goa and alcohol mixed in. And like, it tastes really, really good. And then another thing, another thing we do on the holidays is something called, um, it's basically kalkal. So it's like these Goan cookies, like the Goan style, they're really, really good. It has like a sweet taste to it. It's, it's amazing. And they're just really like, it's the way that they do it. So it's like hand rolled and the flour that they use is a little bit different from what we would do like with sugar cookies and stuff like that. But yeah, the food, I think in terms of like family, like, like Alyssa said, whether it's like on a Saturday or just like a big holiday, the food really brings us together as well. No, I just like have like memories of like when I was younger where like my grandma and like my aunts, like my mom would like, they'd sit around the table and they have like the bowl of like the, the like we have like egg rolls are called lumpia and like they'd have the lumpia filling in the middle and then they each have their own stack of like egg roll wrappers and they all have their own egg wash and like they're rolling it and it's like a rite of passage if you can like get the lumpia like super tight and like thin. And then like when my grandma's frying it, like the minute she like scoops it out of the fryer, like my cousins, I swarm and we're like grabbing it with our fingers, like burning our fingertips. And, like they're gone before like she's even like done with like, like, I don't know, one scoop. But like, yeah, it's just like whenever we like are together, it's just, it's always like around food. And it's just like, I just don't um, like, I always picture my grandma in the kitchen cooking. Like she just loves it. And, you know, we all love eating it. So <laughs> it works out for all of us. Oh, I love that. Kyle, I noticed you were like shaking your head, feeling the, the recipe that Alyssa showed. is always at the fiestas back home here <laughs> all the time. Because in, in Guam, it's really like a, a lot of different Asian cultures and a Pacific Islander culture. So you get a little bit of everything. We have some Indian, we have a small Indian population too. Got small, big Filipino population, you know, all kinds of food. And we always have big fiestas and barbecues and you know, we always like, it's always like a little bit of like, some people bring some of 
their culture, cultural foods, and some other people bring their cultural foods, and you got the local food, and it's just like, oh, you know, so, so good. I just love it. It's always fun to eat. You know, all your friends and families come around, talk, share stories. It's just always a good time. Yeah. I love hearing the the similarities and the differences between, you know, your guys's cultures that you're talking about. Um, and I think that that's something that's really important to talk about within, you know, speaking about AAPI Heritage Month to focus on the things that make each community different, but also the things that, you know, link the community together as well, right? Um, I think we should focus a little bit on some of those differences, though, the things that really make you guys stand out. Um, so I thought it might be cool to have each of you share one thing that you think is really special to your specific community. Um, whoever wants to start us off, uh, go ahead and share. I think like a big thing is that like the Philippines for a while was um, like controlled by Spain. So a lot of our um, like recipes and even just like some of our like my last name is Enrique which doesn't really sound like a more of like an Asian like like uh, the scented name I guess um so I think like a lot of like uh like our food has a lot of like Spanish influence and I think that's interesting to think that like usually think like more of like it doesn't there's like a mix to like the Asian um culture like there's like a mix between like the Spanish and like Asian um, cultures that kind of combine in like the Philippine, uh, the Filipino like heritage. That's really interesting. Yeah. Kyle, I know you and Alyssa might have some overlap because I know you mentioned that there is a large um, Filipino population in Guam, but um, anything that you wanted to share that kind of separates Guam um, from like the other AAPI countries? Um, I got like maybe some cultures do it, but like something that was like at least different from what I do from home and here in the US was like greeting um, like uh, people and like um, elders too, especially like back home when you greet like your auntie or um, like someone your age maybe, or someone your age, you like, um, if it's a, a someone the opposite sex, like a, a lady, I, you know, you give a kiss in the cheek, you go, and then if it's like an elderly lady, like your grandma or something, you know, you hold their hand and say like, say something and then you bow your head and then they say like, bless you. And then, you know, it's just like different greetings, which was like a little different for me because sometimes, you know, I greet someone, how I greet someone at, back home and they just look at me weirdly. Like they look at me like, why am I trying to kiss you? But I'm not like trying to kiss you. I'm just trying to, you know, say hi or something. And sometimes that gets awkward, but yeah, sometimes greetings are, I guess they're different in each culture, you know? Yeah, that's actually a really interesting um, point. Can you talk more about the, um, the significance of like getting a blessing from your elders? Because that is something that we definitely don't do here in the U.S., but that sounds like such a beautiful um, tradition. I guess, you know, like, for example, if I were to enter someone's house, you know, you have to always, um, uh, you know, everyone's welcoming, but you have to be a gentleman or a guest to your guests at the same time. So I guess, you know, you have to greet um, um, everyone in the house. And, you know, if you're rude, then 
you know, they won't want to let you come in the house again. So, you know, proper greeting and they say bless you. And I guess it's just like a, um, a sign of respect, you know, even though elderly people, you know, they're above like us youngins, you know, they still respect you because you respect them back. It's just a sign of respect for each party. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Last but not least, Thomas. For my culture specifically, I told you I'm from Western India, so Goa. That was actually a Portuguese colony. So going back to Alyssa's point, one of the things that my culture was really, and it's noticeable by my name, Thomas de Xavier. It's not a very traditional Indian name. It's more a European name, which goes to show that there's a lot of influence that Europeans had on our culture, which I don't think is noticeable. I think typically within the Indian culture, people see it as its own isolated bubble, right? Of its own religions and own thing like that, as if it's, it's separate. But I think people, like Alyssa said, there's a he very heavy European influence, whether it's the, in my, my home area of Goa, Portuguese influence, and then even India broadly, it's the British influence, the, com the Commonwealth and how that played a role in our culture. So like we and our, our family, like we'll have tea, for example, at 3.30. Like, why do we do that? Because again, going way, way back, that's what the British used to do. So I found like Alyssa's point, I was like, man, okay, I'm gonna try to make this my own here and just kind of connect with it. And even with Kyle's, like greetings, in terms of the greetings, like when we have like a, when we interact with someone older than us, like no, like not, like I, I don't wanna say noticeably, but I wanna say like older, like whether it's like someone around your parents age who's not related to you. Like if it's a man, you say uncle, like women, it's like auntie, like you, you speak with that kind of respect and reverence for the people, your, your elders, so to speak, right? And I think while that's not necessarily something special, I think it's just special compared to other a API. I think how we do it, like, you know, like we'll nod our head, we'll bow, we'll nod our head, stuff like that, just to recognize, like to show respect and show that your age, like your qualities, like your life, like your life experiences, because they're so beyond mine in terms of how long and everything like that, we have to pay some sort of respect to that. So yeah, those are my two combined answers because the ones, <laughs> Alyssa said a really good point about the call it like how European culture influenced like the Philippines, like in particular Spanish and then Kyle's with the greetings. I was like, yeah, we do that too. And I, but I just wanted to make that kind of our own thing, so. Yeah. yeah, no, that's great. And I, you know, just goes to the point that I, I was trying to make with that question of the, the similarities within the, the larger AAPI community, but then also the differences between all the communities that, that make up the AAPI community. So thank you that you pulled that together perfectly, Thomas. Um, so I also wanted to talk about um, the model minority myth. Um, I know that a lot of people might not be um, familiar with the model minority myth, so I'll explain it. Um, for those watching, the model minority myth is based in stereotypes, and it's this idea that Asian American people are like the best minority, that they are the smartest, um, the most successful. Um, and while some people might see that as like a good stereotype, um, if there is such a thing, it also does have negative effects on AAPI communities because it, you know, takes away from 
individualism and takes away from uh, being able to distinguish the communities and it kind of creates this one way to be Asian. Um, I wanted to talk with you guys to see how those stereotypes um, might impact your experience, um, just or Kyle, your experience here in America. Um, you know, I think we've seen statistically like Asian students, for example, are less likely to get uh, attention from their teachers in in school because teachers are assuming that they're just naturally smarter than everybody. Um, what experiences have you guys had around the model minority myth, if if any at all? I think what's interesting just broadly about the model minority myth is that while there's like, it seems like, oh, it's such a positive thing, you know, Asians are seen as in academically inclined and smart, right? But what's sad about it is that while they're seen as that, they're not recognized for everything else. And bringing it to my story, for example, as, as I mentioned in the beginning, I'm a swimmer, right? But if you think of a, the standard traditional image of a swimmer, you're not gonna think of someone like me, right? You're gonna think of someone who's Caucasian, someone who's tall, like I'm, I mean, I'm tall, like I'm six one, six two, but I'm not like, you know, I'm not a freaking giant, but it goes to show that within the model minority myth, like yes, academically good for you, like good for us, like we're perceived in that positive light, but it kind of puts us in a pigeonhole. It puts us in this sense of, okay, we're academically smart, but we're not necessarily shown to be able to be good at sports, which obviously that's not true, right? Or being able to be really artistic and creative and something so outside of the academic and just, you know, being able to work really hard. That's another one I hear about, right? Like Asians traditionally work really, really hard, right? And yes, there's virtue to that hard work ethic and there's virtue, there's something there's something good about it but the problem is like having those sets of characteristics just imposed it will put it puts people in this position where what if I'm not that what if I'm not academically inclined growing up I wasn't that good of a student I had trouble re I had trouble reading my writing was just miserable to say it and say it in these words um but I had to overcome that, but the long, for the longest time, I felt inadequate. Why did I feel inadequate? Because the model minority meant saying, I had to be good at school. Why? Because I'm Indian. Oh, I had to be good at math, even though I was terrible at geometry. My goodness, I was terrible at geometry, right? <laughs> it, goes on, it goes back to that point where if you're not that, according to the model minority myth, then you are not a model minority. You are just a minority right? You are just an outsider from what's already an outside group. And that's where I want to finish with that because at the end of the day, like it's a, it's a, it's a weirdly, it's like, it's a weird, annoying thing because on one hand it's yes, Asians, we're academically inclined, we're incredible. But if we fall short of that, or if we feel we fall short of that, then it's just damaging, as you said, Alexis, to the individual but it's also more so damaging on a whole, on a wider scheme because it fails, fails for other people to just push themselves in other directions that they might be good at, that they might be really talented in sports, that they might be really talented in arts. They might be really talented in anything, 
other than academics per se, which academics is important. But I believe that with that model minority myth, I think it does a terrible, terrible injustice to those who are talented and so and so many other other facets in life. No, I agree with like everything that Thomas just said. Like, I think there's like such a like a like a focus and like a big pressure to like get your uh, your academics are, are in order. And like, I remember like my grandpa. I was like middle school, maybe younger than that, and he sat down. And he was like, "All right, he goes, are you gonna go to med school or gonna be an engineer?" And it was like, those were the two things that he was like, these are like good paths for you to take. And like, it was a big focus. And he, then after that, I was like, he always called me, you know, you're gonna be a future doctor Enrique. And there's always like a big like push to like go into like those two professions. And like Thomas said, like if you are like talented in other things, it, it kind of like make, it's like a weird like pushback between like doing like what you love to do and like kind of like what you're expected to do. And my sister was going to go to um, school to be a pharmacist. And like, I think a month before she like made her final decision, she was like, I just love music so much more than I love anything else. And she is like, so incredibly gifted with like instruments and like she could pick up anything and like she could play it like within like a week. And she had this like internal struggle of like continuing that path to become like a pharmacist because she was super good at math or if she wanted to like break that and like go to school to be uh, like a music teacher. And she ended up like, after like thinking about it over like, I think it took her a while, but she finally decided that she was going to go and um, pursue a career in music. And that was like a crazy thing that like, because for the most part, like, like, I mean, even me, I'm in a health science, like directed path. And like, that's just kind of like, I don't know. I was like, I feel like that's what was expected kind of. I mean, it worked out that I was like, um, that's where I feel like I was like, I should, I fit best in the world. But like, I'm glad that she was able to like, break that stereotype and like go where she like felt that she was like called to because I think she like if she would have gone stick to the her original plan she would have been really unhappy with herself and I think like her um like pursuing her like career in music is just amazing so like I guess I've been so I've been living uh on the island of Guam for like my whole life till like this year and I guess I I didn't really face that much discrimination growing up just because you know, back where I'm from, there's a lot of people that are like me and a lot of people, a lot of different other Asian people, a lot of different other like Islanders, um, Micronesians and Pacific Islanders. So like, but I guess like in the one year that I've been in the US, um, it's been like a little bit different, you know, like some cultural changes. And I guess like what everyone said, you know, people just expect something from you just because uh, we look a certain way, you know, like you get asked some awkward questions sometimes, like what race are you or like, do you speak a certain language? I'm just like, you know, why are you asking me? No, I'm just confused. But, you know, I just deal with it. And people do expect like you to be good at like math or like school in general, like personally, like uh, what Thomas said, I've always struggled in like English, like phonics and like that. I've always struggled in like writing and like, it's just, um, I guess like little things that they do add up, but personally, I just try not to take it um, like to the heart, you know? And I just, I guess I just uh, think of the positives, you know, like I'm lucky that I'm here and, you know, that's kind of stuff. So I've just been pretty lucky with my uh, life situation, I guess compared to other people. Yeah. Thank you, Kyle. And I do, I do want to add on to something you just said, little things like that add up. 
Um, and that's so important. It, that's why it's so important for people to learn about um, stereotyping and microaggressions um, because comments like that might seem small or very insignificant to the person who's making them. Um, but if you have to hear it coming from a bunch of different people all the time, that starts to add up and it starts to get really frustrating. And you might start to think like, well, why, why do people keep asking me these questions? You know? So um, that's a really important point that you just touched on, Kyle. Um, Alyssa, I know in our one-on-one -on -one conversation, you talked about um, people not necessarily thinking that you are, are Asian or a part of the AAPI community. Um, can you talk about that a little bit more? Um, yeah, it kind of goes back to like my last name being Enrique. People just don't um, assume that I am like Asian or Filipino or a lot of times like they'll ask me like um, if I like if I'm Spanish or like um, one time. Oh, this is a crazy story. When I was in middle school, a girl asked me when I was going to have my quinceanera. And I said, um, never. <laughs> that's just not like and I like, had to explain, like, you know, I'm, like my dad's Filipino, like that's um like that's like my like heritage and but it's almost like because of that I again like I don't know if I've ever like felt the stereotypes of the Asian community because I don't think the people around me associate me with the Asian community which I always like I just I always grew up associating myself with that community but then it was kind of like an eye-opener to realize that like nobody else did which was like it's weird to think about it's like Cause then it's like, what do like, how do you like see me? And like, what do you um, associate me, me with? And, but like, kind of like what Kyle was saying, like this morning I was at the dentist and a lady asked me, she goes, oh, um, what, like what nationality are you to get your coloring? And it was just kind of like, they like lead with questions like that. And just like, so crazy to think that that's just like, you know, normal conversation at like the dentist's office is <laughs> like leading with that. But yeah, it's just, it's an interesting thing to realize that like, like your nationality isn't always like um, seen by everyone else and like maybe like working towards like making it more of a, um, a front in like in my life or something like that. But yeah. Um, back home, like Guam is, um, we were discovered by the Spanish too. So like a lot of people like, like Alyssa, like they have like Spanish last names. So like, it's kind of funny to me how she says that because um, a lot of people when they go to the US, they're like, um, they're always asked, like, they're always, like, spoken Spanish too, and they're always, everyone thinks, like, people from Guam are, like, Latina or, like, Latino, even though, like, we're our own, like, different, like, thing, but I don't know, I just think that's pretty funny, like, how that's relatable. Yeah, yeah. Do people usually try to speak Spanish to you, Alyssa? Have you ever had that? Yeah, it's like in Spanish class, like my teacher will like speak to me and I'm like, I have, I'm, I'm learning with everybody else. <laughs> I do not know what's going on. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's, I do not know the language. I'm, I'm, I'm a student too in this class. <laughs> yeah. Mm -mm. Well, hopefully having conversations like this will help people understand a little bit more and, um, you know, avoid making some of those, those mistakes. One last question that I wanted to ask you guys. Unfortunately, um, due to some of the rhetoric that has been surrounding the COVID-19 pandemic, um, I think the pandemic has been associated with 
China um, and the AAPI community. And because of that, um, or potentially those, the, these two things are tied, we've seen an increase over the past year um, in hate crimes towards the AAPI community. Um, I, I wanted to, to talk with you guys about this and just kind of get your perspective on it and then talk a little bit more about what people can do to be better allies to the AAPI community um, and how we can continue to educate ourselves and, and serve um, the communities so that these things won't happen. I think, I think and this discussion is the perfect testimony to that, to this, is that we have to continue to focus on finding similarities rather than focusing on our differences. And I know that sounds really broad at first, but if, for example, within this discussion, we talk, talked about the food that we had growing up, right? The cultural, like that, that stuff means something to us, right? It's also true for people of European descent. It's also true for people of African descent, right? But we're so caught up in looking at the color lines that we often forget, like we are very similar. And in terms of stopping and preventing future Asian crime, it's just recognizing that culturally we are we are going to be different. Where if you're from a different place, you're going to be you're going to have different. You you do different things. You will eat different foods. You will look different. That's just how it is. But I think underneath the surface looking a little bit deeper we all got to step back and think like got to look deeper and be understanding that you know this person may be different from me for example right different from me but they are not the root cause of bad because of how they look because of what they how they dress because of how they eat how, how they pray stuff like that how they greet others we have to look deeper than the surface. And I think that would be just the perfect way, capstone way of just, cap, just figuring it out. Like we all have to step back and just really appreciate for the cultures for their differences and also recognize that the similarities like we've done in this entire discussion. Remember that we are more, we are more similar than we are different. Um, I actually remember when it started, um, like all of like the Asian hate crimes were in the news. I remember calling my dad and asking him if my grandparents were like going out in public because I was like, because they speak Tagalog, which is like, that was their first language. So they don't speak English to each other. So if they're at the store together, I was worried that like something was going to happen to one of them. And I had to like ask my dad to like to check in with them and make sure that they were like, okay. And that they weren't like, I don't know. I was, just, I was worried for like their well-being because I know that they, yeah, like they speak English, but it's like they have like, it's like more of like a, it's broken because it's not their first language, but like they're very comfortable speaking their language like with each other, even around us. So I was like worried for their um, well-being at the beginning. So I like talked to my dad about that. Like we talked to our grandparents and like made sure that they're okay and everything. But like what Thomas was saying, like, um, like I grew up hearing like America was like the, the melting pot, right? Of cultures, like that's what makes America, America. Like it's, we, oh, it's a mixture of all the, all, all cultures and it's just we need to like celebrate that if we're going to say it we need to like you know put it into action we can't just like segregate certain um, communities out or like favor one or the other like if we're going to be like you know the melting pot like we have to like be we're going to coexist in like harmony with each other so we have to like celebrate each other instead of like picking out what makes everyone different. Yeah. Alyssa just nailed it square on the head I think we have to celebrate our differences but recognize that we are also similar. 
So it's about, it's like this balance of recognizing that there's beauty in the uniqueness of our cultures and our different cultures, but also recognize that we are not so far different from each other that we can't relate or sympathize with the other. Yeah. So I think Alyssa's point really is like, okay, this makes sense. I can say this and then maybe it will just cap it off. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love the concept of, you know, the, I, we, we call it the melting pot, like the great American melting pot. Right. But in reality, it's, it's not so much a, a melting pot. It's more like um, I've, I've heard people describe it as like a salad, you know, like a melting pot, you put everything together and it all becomes one. With a salad, you can see the lettuce and the tomatoes, the onions, the chicken, whatever you put in there. It's all still different and you can see what makes it different, but you obviously like eat it together and it makes one really great flavor, but you're still able to recognize those differences and, and celebrate each little little bite of that, right? Um, so, and I think Alyssa, that's exactly what you, you just said. Like, yes, like America is a bunch of different cultures. We should come together, try to understand those different cultures and celebrate them, not be um, afraid or, or hateful towards things that aren't like us, right? Kyle, anything um, to add on to, to that? Like Alyssa said, like when all this hate crime starts happening, like I was in the US and my all my family, like I don't have any family members here, but all my family, they're back home. And my mom sent me a text. She's like, is everything okay? Has anything happened to you? Like, oh, and I just, I was lucky. Now I'm lucky to not be a victim of any of it, but like they were worried, you know, because um things were happening here and then like personally like what you said and what everyone else has said like um I guess it's just being open-minded and just uh like listening and you know being uh being willing uh like you know being able to listen to other people and their experiences like everyone's different because like me coming here you know I have to be open-minded from the U American culture like everyone you know I've never experienced this and like, I'm open-minded to experience what everyone's telling me what what I'm what I'm experiencing so it's, it's not that hard to you know listen to what everyone else is saying to you or like everyone else's culture you know if I could do it you could do it anyone could do it you know so so it sounds like best way to be an ally to the AAPI community is to be open-minded to listen to you guys' experiences, to try to learn about the different cultures um, that make up the AAPI community. Um, and then of course, you know, speak out when we see or hear of those injustices happening, right? Well, I wanna thank all of you so much for joining us. Um, for those watching, please stay tuned to the NEC social media channels. We will be posting more AAPI Heritage Month content um, throughout the remainder of the month and in the many months to come. So thank you guys for your time, Thomas, Alyssa, Kyle. This was great. Um, thank you. Bye, everybody.